Hey, 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 guys, it's your girl, Naya. And Tuli. And we're back for another episode of the amazing and awesome podcast, Rant Much. A podcast for black girls that talk too much. Hey, guys, how you doing? How are you doing, Naya? <laughs> uh, you know, we're doing, we're living, we're moving, we're shaking. I'm doing great, actually, Tools. How are you? I, I'm sorry, I should have started with you. How you doing, Tools? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you totally forgot I was here, but that's okay. That's fine. It's cool. I um, had a moment of like, wait, what's happening again? We're we're doing this? That's what's happening? I don't know why. It's really weird. But how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. We had a bit of a rocky start with the recording. So I think that's why you're a little bit like, what's going on here? Are we, have we started? Um, yeah. I'm good. It's my brother's birthday weekend. My brother turns oh, 18. Happy birthday. On Sunday. Happy on birthday. Sunday. And and I'm so excited. I'm just like such an emotional wreck because what do you Aww. even mean? My my baby brother, he was four just yesterday. <laughs> so I have no idea what's going on, you know. Um, but otherwise, I'm good. This is basically our last weekend in this home, in our family home. Um, the house is officially no longer going to be ours. And so home becomes a different kind of concept for me. Um, in the next few weeks and yeah just a lot is happening in my life but I'm just trusting God to do the most really he needs to come through because there is a lot I'm trusting God for so <laughs> it needs to happen pretty damn <laughs> I feel that mood mood um yeah how, you doing? You. how was your week it was huh, I don't know how has my week been <laughs> that's how I feel my week has been I don't know. How has it been? Um, I've been an emotional wreck. I've been really happy. I've laughed. I've sobbed my eyes out. Like, I literally was at a stop sign the other day, guys, and was bawling my eyes out about life. Like, And then mm, at the same time, like, <laughs> right? Right? It, it's like, I feel like that's a universal moment. Like, people know exactly what you're talking about when you say that. Yeah. <laughs> but my back yeah. has been giving me so much business lately, and I finished one of my summer camps that I was talking about last week. So that was really great. My girls had a lot of fun. They did really great on their performance. Um, there's always mm. better stuff, but there's always great what you do, you know? Like, if that was the best of what you could do at that moment, then what more is there to do? Um, yeah. And so I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited to see who comes back in the fall to learn stuff and who goes on and does other great things. Like I'm sending them all positive energy and positive light. Like I'm really excited for them. Um, and then tomorrow I finish my summer camps with my older kids. So that should be really cool because I've had a shorter amount of time with them. Um, but in such a short amount of time, like they're just so awesome in general. So I'm hoping with the end of summer camp and next week me getting a little bit of a break, like hopefully my back doesn't hurt as much and I can eat and I can sleep in a little bit more. It's just, I'm with you. Everything that could like be up in the air right now feels very up in the air. And I really wish yeah. it would stop doing that. Like I wish that my plans could be a lot clearer, you know? Um, yeah. but with that being said, with both of our lives being emotional roller coasters right now, um, I would like to introduce our special guest today before, uh, they 
talk about how they're doing. Um, so this person is very near and dear to my heart. She is literally one of my best friends. A few weeks ago, we had our other friend Kirsten on the show, and she was talking about this great friend group that we have, and this other person who is on the show today is a part of that friend group. So I love this person very dearly. She is like my sister. She very much so is my sister in a lot of ways. Um, Sade, how you doing, sis? Tell the people who you are. I'm good. Hi, guys. Welcome, welcome. Welcome me. Welcome you. Um, <laughs> welcome you. <laughs> um, uh, hi. So I am Sharday Jameson. I am a 23-year-old cisgendered, half African-American, half Jamaican black girl. Um, yeah, my daddy's Jamaican. My mom is African-American. Um, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I graduated from the University of Michigan with my Bachelor of Fine Arts in Acting with a minor go in boo, Business. Go okay, go okay. blue. Also Period. graduated from Cass Technical High School. Okay, CT, CT. Cass number one, second to none. Gang, gang, gang. Not um, us literally over here <laughs> quoting both of our schools. We are. Um... <laughs> And I'm an actress. I am an actress and a model um, who can also sing and dance. I've been doing all of these things my entire life, but acting has always been my heart. Um, And so, yeah, I'm pursuing an acting career, a modeling career. But if you need me to sing or dance, like in one of those roles, I got you. She got you. So, Shara, I feel like our audience audience is going to be like, all we do is have actors and people (laughs) in the arts on the show. Literally. I thought about that the other day, and I was like, dang, we have a lot of performer friends who fit in all these other categories. What the heck, y'all? But also, like, we're performers, so I'm so sorry in advance. If you didn't know that's what you were tapping into in this podcast, now you know. Okay, period. I know that's right. So, Shara, the question we ask all of our guests is, if you could name, title, the chapter of your life right now, what would this chapter be, and why? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this because I listened <laughs> to Kirsten's podcast and I was like, hmm, you know, let me, I have let me to marinate prepare on for that. this <laughs> when right. it's my turn. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like this chapter of my life is entitled The Transition. Oh, um, that's a good one. And it's for a couple mm. of reasons. Like, one, the most obvious is. Well, Tanaya, but not to you guys. I'm moving. Um, So I'm going to be moving from Detroit, um, where I was born and raised. I'm currently, like, in Southfield, which is outside of Detroit. But still, I was born and raised in Detroit. It's right next to Detroit. Um, To Los Angeles to pursue my acting career. And that's, like, Hollywood, right? So, like, I have to move there. And so there's, like, this feeling of, like, all the stuff that comes with that, like, moving is stressful but then there's also like sadness and anxiety and am I gonna like make it am I gonna be successful like all of that Mm, stuff so like transitioning from like this comfortable space to like that sea of unknown so that's happening and then I kind of like entitled this year the year of self for myself um so it's all about like self-love like gravitating towards that self-love being rooted in that self-elevation self-preservation 
just like all of those things self self manifestation and so I've been like doing I know Naya talked about this book how to do the work I was the friend she was referring to we're both reading that mm-hmm. um and so like kind of transitioning out of old habits old triggers old traumas into like a new and better me like evolving so like I'm in that space of transition and then also transitioning out of old friendships and shedding away Mm. like people who I've outgrown who just no longer fit into my space anymore the type of person Mm. that I am now we don't mesh anymore so shedding that away and so I like I'm just doing a lot of transitioning and dealing with all the emotions of that the joy that comes from that from me being a better person but the sadness from losing people and losing my comfortable space and like all of this so yeah I just think my life is just in transition y'all transitioning everywhere it's a transitional mm. period. Yes, man. It just is a whole that is beautiful. chapter. Yeah. yeah, that is a beautiful chapter to be in. It really yeah. is. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, as you guys can see in the caption and in the title, today we are talking about the ghetto black girl and what exactly that means and all of the nuances that come with that. So, as the starting point, I guess we should probably just clarify. This might be universal, but I'm sure there are some discrepancies depending on cultures and also depending on, heck, between city to city. If you're here in Michigan, I guarantee you there are some differences between what you might consider ghetto in Southfield compared to what you might consider ghetto in Detroit or Down River or Southwest. We have so many different like groups. It's ridiculous. And I'm sure mm. in South Africa with all you guys' ethnic groups, like there's probably discrepancies there too, right? So mm. we are going to start from the beginning. All three of us should probably answer to us what, if you were to define to someone who doesn't know the word ghetto, what, what would you like, define being ghetto as just as a base starting point so let's start there Jeez, i was not prepared for this one my god sorry i I thought about it in the moment it just came to me i'll start yeah Um, i've been yeah i've been marinating on this actually because i do think that ghetto is a relative term and i do think that it can mean different things depending on the person right and so Mm -hmm, i do think mm -hmm. there's this anti-black view of what ghetto is Mm -hmm. but then i also think that there are certain things that we as black people view as ghetto and depending on who you are you can view it like differently so just like we as a black community in america kind of took nigger or nigga is what we use now which was a if for for those who don't know nigger and nigga was a derogatory term used against african-americans during yeah during slavery um and so we kind of took that term reclaimed it and like we say it to each other now it's like a term like was like bromance it's like we like use yeah. it it's like camaraderie in a way um we kind of took ghetto too and so we kind of took that term and like depending on who you are what's going on like we might use it differently like for example when we were having the technical difficulties we were having today like with like recording I was like Naya this is ghetto and I was like oh like that's like (laughs) kind of like an example but then I was also like okay so we have this thing called the uh, urban dictionary and I was like hmm let me look in there and see what they say like the formal definition of ghetto is so Mm. 
this is the way that the Urban Dictionary defined ghetto. So it says that ghetto is a derogatory term used towards individuals who lack the standards of manners and ethics. Ghetto is normally directed towards black individuals. Ghetto is not black or being black. Ghetto is how one presents themselves and how they dress, act, speak, and these are things that acquire itself from the poor conditionings of a ghetto upbringing. So basically, okay, but what's like, interesting to me is I immediately hear, according to who? Like that's immediately mm-hmm. what I hear. That was I, my I that. That, that was my question. That I was my next that. question. The standards and ethics according to who? Who wrote yes. who? Who said exactly. that? White people? Yes, because white people. Very much so. That's be. what I would say. Got it. Because be. I'm like, of childhood, course. how are you going to tell me my childhood is ghetto? You know, like, what yeah. even does that mean? Like, because I, and from what if I immediately think of, right, I immediately think of lower class yep, in the projects, exactly. like, black yes. people. But yes. that's not, how is that? Like, you don't know ethics. Like, how, I, I don't understand. Like, to me, that's like morality. Ethics and morality, yeah. philosophy, mm-hmm. all of that are like common sense. Like, you know not to kill someone. You know not mm-hmm. to lie. Right. So if yeah. you're telling yeah. somebody that they don't know those things and that makes them, quote unquote, ghetto, mm-hmm. according to who, who are you to say whether it's right or wrong, whether they weren't taught what you know to be, quote unquote, ethical. Like, this I don't is think America. That's cool. It's a lot of things that they shouldn't tell us is right or wrong or whatever. <laughs> That they or do. not like I mean let's be real like that's just the society that we live in and I do think that the yeah. standard is a white person a white individual which Very like we'll, we'll dive into deeply but I do think that the general like stereotypical anti-white like anti-black POV of ghetto is like the the loud girl like mm-hmm. loud outspoken screaming like speaking in ebonics or big yeah. hoops big earrings ponytail chewing gum lip gloss taraji like when she yeah. was in baby boy nunu and atl kind of medea like that's like the stereotypical ghetto Yes. The ghetto mm-hmm. vibe or guns and weed and like or all of that. riding for your man who got a gun, yeah, all of that. Yeah, <laughs> like all of that is like viewed at as ghetto. But like in my yeah. black community, yeah. I might, like I know Naya and I were actually talking about this the other day. Like it's twerking and saying, hey, like is that ghetto? And it's like, okay, well, it, de- it would depend on the setting. Like if we're like yeah. in mm-hmm. a mall and you're like, hey, and twerking and stuff, it's like this is not the place. You know, so I'm like, right. (laughs) So I might look at you like, girl, that's ghetto, right? But then there's also like, you know, if I'm at a party, that's accepted there. That's when that should be happening. And so, but I don't know if I'm at a white party, though, and I'm twerking and stuff. mm, Is that ghetto then? But that's that's the other thing we were talking about, too, too, is it's like, does it make it ghetto because you're uncomfortable? You know, like, Mm -hmm. does it, like, Mm -hmm. where is the line between your uncomfortability and the, the, the stereotype of like you should be uncomfortable with this because it's not typically what we would deem as acceptable Mm, you know not because it's not something that you don't know and you're not familiar with but because like Shar and I both were talking about like there are moments when like black people are loud or they're the first person to like raise their hands and just be talking any type of way and they they're using like phonetics and and not using quote-unquote what we say as proper English and we're like cringing in our seats like 
please just stop talking. Please just mm-hmm. stop because that's yeah. what we've been conditioned mm-hmm. to feel like. It's like you're evade, you're invading white space, mm-hmm. and I've spent so much time conforming to mm-hmm. this space. Yes, that yes. now that you're yes. breaking against it, right. you're making me uncomfortable too. Yeah. Like exactly, that, exactly. It, it's so but much. Then, I, I, that's go ahead, Tully. You haven't talked. Go ahead. I, I'm just trying to think of what Tully, this looks like in a set in a South African context, right? Mm. I'm right. Ghetto in the terms that you guys are talking about is really just black here. <laughs> like I don't think we use the term like I don't think we use the term ghetto, but obviously I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't think we say ghetto. I think okay. our version of ghetto or our understanding of ghetto is very much um from American, African-American movies, right? And so okay. we kind of like use it interchangeably here, but ghetto in our sense would be black, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Um, and very much a township base. So, you know, girls from the township who did not grow up in suburbs, maybe their English is not so great. Maybe their wigs don't look so great. Maybe their weaves aren't the greatest quality. Maybe they're louder. Maybe they're you know, mm-hmm. don't dress a certain type of way, you know, <laughs> there are black stereotypes of uh, quote unquote ghetto people in South Africa who, you know, tend to have gold teeth and they wear a certain shoe called Ikavela, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about, guys. Mm-hmm. If you're South African, you know, the gold tooth with the razor cut uh, bonding and um the tight identity shirt and the tight uh, skinny jeans so that is really it but it's really i don't think ghetto is 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 isn't like it's, it's not a term that we just use naturally for us that's just being black and and that's mm. that's the thing that's weaponized against us it's just like black people are loud black people mm, yeah. have gold teeth you know black mm. people can't speak english and so it's more blackness than it is a, a brand of blackness, which is what mm. I'm hearing from you guys. It is a certain type of blackness. It is a certain like class of blackness. Yeah. Yes, it is yeah. also here. But I, I I mean I'm just trying to think of a time where we've said the word ghetto and meant it like literally towards someone. Like sure, like we will we'll reference township things and say ghetto. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think it's like that deep yeah i mean and i could be wrong if i'm wrong let me know guys but like those things are really just black hey <laughs> like we're just we're, black people are just loud <laughs> you know that that's True. what it is you know i think also what's interesting is like you guys are the majority and we are me and my mom were talking about yeah. this the other day like we are literally only 14 percent of this country mm. so like we're probably more the majority if you look at pocs like all pocs banding together you know mm-hmm. when you actually think about how demographics are changing but black people as a whole we really only make up 14 percent of this country like that's nowhere mm. near a majority you know um so i would definitely say i agree with you there um especially because like if we were to live in a world where we were the majority i'm sure (laughs) we probably would be like oh well that's just us like that's just that's just us but but i definitely um resonate with um you know like being in spaces with other black people who do act quote unquote ghetto or who are louder or who don't, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, construct English sentences in the proper way. And you almost feeling embarrassed for them because we're so accustomed to these white spaces. Mm -hmm. But then again, I think as me, as the suburban kid who 
who is cringing a bit. I'm not cringing because, oh my word, that's ghetto. I'm cringing because I'm like, I don't want these white people to think all of us are like yep. this. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And yep. it's so mm-hmm. problematic to think that way. Yes. It is all so problematic to think that way because mm-hmm. here in South Africa, we have Afrikaans people, for example, who are white, right? The, yeah. the oppressors. Apartheid oppressors, National Party, Afrikaans people, right? And so their <laughs> English is not the best. <laughs> their English is not the best. Their sentence construction is not the best. But if an Afrikaans person stands and gives a speech, we're not chuckling and laughing at their pronunciation of words and pronunciation of our names. But if a black person mm. goes on stage and starts talking, we're laughing, we're kikiing, oh my word, sentence structure. Mm. She said it's instead of is, you know, she says, hello, my name is Busi. And now we're laughing. And it's mm. like, but we're not laughing oh. when Freaky goes, um, I are very happy to be here today. You know, like that's mm-hmm. how, that's what it sounds like. So, yeah, it's it's just it's the it's condition. An, there is so much to get into, but I want to get into yeah. like, I want us to get a little bit more personal with this as Shah being yeah. our guest. You know, absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, we want to know. Like, obviously, you're our guest for a reason, and so your personal experience or when you first met this idea of ghetto-ness and when you first realized you might be classified as quote-unquote ghetto? Yeah. Um, So I definitely think for me to answer that question, we'll definitely have to dive into like what are the qualities of like my behavior, like my characteristics that Mm, would, mm. you know, help to like qualify and like classify and help people to perceive me as ghetto. Um, yeah. So I know we've been we've been touching on this a lot, but yeah, the way I speak. Um, yeah. And so that is something that I became. So let me kind of give you guys some background slash context. So I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, right? Um, in a black African American household where my family, majority of my family, is from. Alabama, like Birmingham, Alabama, like we migrated up here from Alabama and that's in the South. And so to kind of give you guys some context as to like how like African-American vernacular came about, we were obviously brought to America on slave ships. Like these people are crazy, right? They bring us here on slave ships and we're denied the (laughs) property, definitely property, not people. And so we're right um you're right um so we're denied the opportunity to an education and so we don't know english so we have to like learn it and so we're learning it by ear right (laughs) and so like because we're not learning it off of the page we're not exactly learning the proper air quotes english and so we're taking these bits and pieces and putting them together and forming this african-american vernacular or formerly known as ebonics which is kind of like in a way a broken english in a way and so when we were debatably is less broken because english is really just a bunch of french German, yeah. all these other languages broken yeah. themselves. So right. it's really not as far misunderstood or far yeah. away as people think. We just I can give you an y'all did. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but it's looked down upon because we're black and we've always been looked down exactly. upon. But that's like another thing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so once we were free and kind of when we weren't, like, you know, people like when we were <laughs> ran away, like we Facts. ran to the north, right? Because like 
you know, the North is like where like freedom was, right? And so we like settled in these cities. Um, and so like people settled in Detroit. And so black people settled in Detroit. And so like to this day, like Detroit is predominantly black, right? So I'm born and raised True. in this house. Um, At one point where, it wasn't, but today it definitely is predominantly right, black. Right, right, right. So, um, anyways, I'm born and raised in this house. My family is speaking in this natural, comfortable, abonics, African-American vernacular. And then I attend a predominantly black school um, until the fifth grade. And then I go to school in the suburbs from sixth to 10th. And then I'm back at a predominantly black school from 11th to 12th. And then I'm at Michigan, right? And so- Which is predominantly white. Very white. white. Very, very (laughs) white. And so, obviously, you guys know those, like, beginning state, like, when you're, like, zero, like, when you're first born, or you're, when you're a newborn to, like, fifth grade, that's, like, crucial to your development. And, like, the way that you, because you're learning English, right? And so, like, the way Mm -hmm. that you typically speak then is going to be the foundation of, like, how you speak. And so that's like where I'm most comfortable, right? I'm with all these black people. I'm at home. And then I attend this predominantly white school. I have this culture shock, right? And so I'm learning how to blend in there, there, which is where I picked up on code switching. And for those of you who don't know what code switching is, it's basically like sounding air quotes more white or speaking more proper, whatever, whatever that is. And like kind of getting out of my... Switching between proper English and then switching to a dialect. So right. if you're like an immigrant who speaks another language, so say I spoke Spanish, I might code switch and say my English with less of like my dialect or accent, yeah. quote unquote, mm-hmm. to right. my white friends. But then immediately when I'm with my other Latinx friends, like I, I have it back, like being able to switch between the two. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, And so... That's where I kind of picked up and learned a bit how to code switch, right? And not like I had that there, but remember my foundation is my African-American vernacular. And I'm never going to stray like too far away from like where I'm comfortable, but I can do it, right? And so mm-hmm. I went to predominantly black high school for 11th and 12th and I'm comfortable around all my black people. We speak in how we speak and that's just what it is. That was me Pretty just much. falling into my... Um, African-American and Bonics right there at BTW, by the way. Um, and so I attend <laughs> And switching Michigan. right back to the white. <laughs> yeah, so this is cold switching, cold switching in the flesh, baby. That was it right there. Um, and so I, my, so like my first year at Michigan, like I was an acting major. I think I told you guys that. Um, so we would have these performances, right? Because it's acting. You go up there, you perform, and then after, we would have to give feedback. And most of the time, you would kind of get, like, participation points for giving feedback to your peers. Like, how was their sure. performances? Like, you know, just basically giving, like, your insight on it. And so this is when I kind of first noticed that I was starting to feel like, hold on, I'm a little bit self-conscious about the way I speak. Because Mm. I wouldn't use certain words. And this is when I started obsessing over words. I'm like, that word isn't naturally in my vocabulary. And so Mm. because I started to have this feeling, I started to kind of shrink and like feel like, you know, I started I started to develop an insecurity about the way I spoke because I felt like people were looking down on me because I wasn't speaking the exact as eloquent elevated or as eloquent as them and so this is when I kind of was starting to feel like hold on like I'm feeling othered 
in this space. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have yeah. the same natural flow of language. And so I started to feel like I started to develop this inhibition and this insecurity around the way I speak. And then that's when I, like, wanted to shut down and suppress that part of myself. So that's kind of where it started to foster and, like, develop, yeah. Yeah, and I remember mm. during during that period when it first started, or when it started to come to the head, at least, like, you had access, like, okay, how did you guys get the vocabulary that you have? And, like, mm-hmm. me and Kirsten both were, like, we both read a lot. Like, mm-hmm. we're both avid readers. And Shara's, like, I'm not a reader, so yeah. I don't know if that's in, in the deck of cards for me. And we're, like, well, you don't have to be. Like, if you don't know a word, like, go to the dictionary and find, like, what it means or things like that. And it's interesting because, like, Honestly, even the guys that I've dated that typically aren't exactly from the city, like they're right outside the city. So like Southfield or like Oak Park, these are all cities outside of Detroit, even though people might say like, oh, I'm from Detroit. You're not really from Detroit. You're from outskirt cities, right? What I would Mm -hmm. constitute as Metro Detroit, um, these suburb cities, like typically those guys that I've dated from those places, their vocabulary isn't necessarily the vocabulary that I have. Typically, most of them are not avid readers on top of that. And even if they are, I still will say a word and I'm like, well, that's completely commonplace. Like, why don't you know that word? And they're like, I don't know what you'd be talking about. Half the doggone time, half of your words aren't normal words for me. So I would mm-hmm. definitely say, like, I I know that in another aspect as well. Like, it's also just a thing of probably our education system, too, I would definitely say. Because um, some of them are just like, some of our random words and all of it like at least at Michigan we're talking about kids who have gone some of the best schools in the country Mm -hmm. like they literally have come from some of the best schools in the country um so some of those words are just normal whereas like they won't know I guarantee you if we were to all students out of room today like they still probably wouldn't know some of the vernacular words like what was that word that they always I'm dead. All of our classmates never understood why I kept saying I'm dead. Like, they were like, no, nah, you're not literally dead. Why do you say that? I'm like, y'all. It's a Vernac thing. Like, it, y'all don't. You're y'all very much alive. Very, very so much alive. alive. I'm like, but no, like. I'm, I'm dead just means it's saying, funny. Bro. Like, that's funny. It means I'm funny. Like, <laughs> I agree. Like, I can't believe you said that. Like, but I don't want to yeah. have to explain that, right? Like, yeah. so I just say what I say. But when it's around my crew, I can say that. Like, I can mm-hmm. say that around my squad. Yeah. But let it be in the classroom. It's, it's definitely a lot more uncomfortable. Definitely a lot more uncomfortable. So, yeah. getting more into This is that. just, oh, man. This, <laughs> this conversation right here. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's like loving this but it's just boiling my blood it is boiling my blood <laughs> how imagine living a it. whole that part right? that part i was just about to say tools i ain't even mad at this point i'm just like yeah that should be happening on a regular yeah. basis i'll be sitting there like i, I can't I, stand people <laughs> naya continue please because i'm gonna rant you go ahead go ahead <laughs> no Drive that's the what the show is for like i want to hear your rant because you're on the opposite side of the table right like we're the same same in terms yeah. of like we're all black girls but like you're on literally on the opposite side of the equator right so like you're hearing yeah. this how do you feel like your your blood is boiling but like no this is the time to rant tell us what you're thinking about what we're saying i'm just like i am so disgusted at who sets the standard and who says mm. this is proper and who says this weight of communicating is proper an entire people mm-hmm 
taken from their native land into a foreign land come together and they decide you know what we're here we're gonna make the best out of it we're gonna create yeah. our own cultures we're gonna create our own language essentially ebonics is a language you know we're gonna mm-hmm. create our own dialect we're gonna you know like i know that different in different parts of america black people speak different kinds of you know whatever it is you know almost like here in south africa when mine workers were in the mines they you know developed fanagolo as a language mm. to talk to their brothers so that their bosses would never would not know what they're saying so that the white man didn't know you know what they were discussing and couldn't police the conversation and so the context is kind of similar right where we create our own kind of like system of like communication and like this you know camaraderie and like this kind of like thing that is ours and it's essentially just like it's ours and nobody else can touch this thing and then mm-hmm. you move into a different space and people tell you that 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 that's that's not it <laughs> yeah, that that's not it that that's not the way to communicate yeah and i mean i'm not even saying like the academia behind it should be like should like you know be qualified or whatever like you should you should be able to 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 speak the way that you were brought up speaking but i just mean like even at a social level that people would feel othered because they're not pronouncing a word correctly or they're not using the the same words that you're using or know how to and and now i feel less than because i'm not an av- I, i don't enjoy reading for example and i think <laughs> that Big kind facts. of like if that is the level of if that is the the measure of intelligence and the measure of how i gain my vocabulary like yo i don't read and i'm like facts I, i'm not, like, facts. i don't want to say like i'm proud we talk of about this the case all the time though yeah like, I would I be like, Tools, you gotta read this I'm, book. And she's like, I'm not reading that. Is it a movie? I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> I'm not gonna read it. I will listen to a podcast. I will watch a film. Period. I will watch a documentary. And that is how I acquire my knowledge a lot of the times. I also love to speak to people and meet new people. Yep. And that is my way of researching and my way of expanding my vocabulary. And now because I'm not reading frippin' Harry Potter, now I'm not <laughs> considered an intellectual. I'm not considered like, you know like elevated enough to be able to communicate in these kind of spaces what ah, i think come on. interesting too is also the fact that like i'm talk when i'm talking about like the guys that day or like also the places that shar um it has gone to school is like these are predominantly like how do i explain it one race places um so not even so much one race like they're there but the minority is very minute And so yeah. like when I say like the guys I'm dating typically like it's not that they're not avid readers like I some people are avid readers that I you know that I've been with but like there's also the thing of like in Southfield Southfield is a predominantly black suburb right so even though I'm not in Detroit it's still a predominantly black suburb so I don't necessarily go to school with people who don't look like me so the vernacular mm-hmm. of quote unquote a white person in the suburbs I'm not used to. So I don't think it's even mm. so much the fact of like us telling Char like you need to read this this and this and I don't think everybody should go with that advice. I think in the moment she she was feeling so insecure but there wasn't like a quick fix and the quickest fix we could think of was like you got to read the read a, more <laughs> books. Like that was the thing we could come up with. Like we couldn't come up with anything read else because it was like you're already in the classroom with people who don't look like you. You're already in the classroom being exposed but yeah. we're talking about These people who are at these specific schools 
are already either the minority or they're already the majority. Like specifically on our high school at CAS, most of the black people at CAS probably don't know how to code switch black to back to white yeah. people and not a subservient version because mm-hmm. they've been so socialized that white people are not friends per se. And I can't talk to them as like a amiable friend, but more so as I'm uncomfortable around you slash you're going to think I'm lesser than or you're above. Like there's always these power dynamics. Like it isn't like yeah. I meet the white girl on the street and we're cool. No, the one white girl that's in our predominantly black class she's not really white because I can talk to her. Like, that's how the conversation's gonna go, right? And so, like, as with time and with age and maturity and experiences, all those things play into our interactions. I went to a predominantly white middle school, but I also had a lot of Arabic friends. I also had a lot of Latinx friends. And it was because of those experiences that that's kind of how I flip between things and as honestly as Shar went overseas like she had more friends and obviously Shar, you should definitely talk about your own experience and not me you know just be referring to it but i i could definitely see there was a change like Shar went to india she went to vietnam and when she came back i i never saw a difference at that point you know but i think it was the fact that like when you're in the inner city when you're in these suburbs that are right next to the inner city, you are so limited in the experiences because everyone looks like you. Mm-hmm. We all were raised in the same neighborhood. We all were raised the same way to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot harder for me to then come back and say, like, I need you to talk like this. Like, you don't do that. That's fucked up. You don't mm-hmm. do that. So I think that's kind of where it came on. It's like, yes, it boils my my blood to some degree, but there's also the frustration that I that I feel as an American of, like, why do we keep allowing people to put us in these groups and they want us to stay in them so freaking bad that you're literally putting us in uncomfortable positions and then you look at us like you don't know ethics and your doggone definitions of the word that you call us in a derogatory way and you don't ever want us to leave from that same limited box that you gave us like that's what pisses me off it's like if you really want it to help you want us to be seen as derogatory you want us to see it be seen in a negative light because otherwise you would have helped us if that's really Mm -hmm. what it takes for you to accept us like why wouldn't you create more arts programs inside schools rather than taking them away why wouldn't you create more sports programs rather than taking them away like why wouldn't you do field trips to other cities inside of the state that's freaking huge that we have multiple things that you can do we are one of the few states that not only do you get four seasons we have no natural disasters you can go snow uh snowboarding you can go skiing you can also go to a winery you can also grow oranges here like y'all Michigan is freaking huge. The majority of our state is freaking rural. You mean to tell me that I should not know how to speak quote unquote anything in this country when we literally have the biggest Arabic population outside of the Middle East here alone in this state? I should probably be able to speak Arabic at this point. Like literally. <laughs> like it really doesn't make sense. It, it just doesn't make mm. sense. But that's my rant. That's Tuli's rant. This this episode is really supposed to be talking about Shara's experience. <laughs> so, with that being said, um, do you think there's... Shara, personally, do you think there's any quote-unquote difference between you being classified as a quote-unquote ghetto black girl and maybe me who might not be classified that way? Like, do you see a, a difference between us? Mm. Me personally, I mean, outside of us being best friends, like outside of that, mm. <laughs> that's a little biased, but I if mean, you can put that off. Just in the, yeah, I know what you mean. Like in the world, like 
do you think there's just a difference in I think, the ghetto okay. girl? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the conversation of, like, in the world could have a deeper, just, could be a deeper conversation to touch on more so than, like, my personal view of it. Because I yeah. do think that in the world, yes, like, 100%. Um, but it's strange. Okay, so then we kind of go into, like, what is, like, the good black? Like, like what is that? You know what I'm saying? And I think that yeah. that is, like, I feel like the good black is maybe, like, quieter, timid, kind of blends mm-hmm. in a little bit more, doesn't stand out too much speaks you know in this eloquent or proper like english or whatever and went to all of these top schools and listens to white music and like kind of blends mm-hmm. in with them maybe takes on like the way they speak a little bit you know like that kind of like energy um is yeah. what i feel like the good black is they're educated they went to school they got their degree like da-da-da-da. they got good grades and stuff like that um, and so, in a way, um, I feel like I am actually similar to the good black yeah. in that form, which is kind of, like, mm-hmm. strange because, like, again, you can't put people in boxes, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm all these things, right? So, I graduated high school as salutatorian, meaning I only got one B on my transcript, True. Um, like, out of all four years. And then I went to University of Michigan, one of the top schools in America. And so... If I'm talking to a white person, I then defy the narrative that they expect me to be living when I'm like, yeah, I went Mm -hmm. to University of Michigan. I got all A's during high school and one B. And they're like, oh, like, oh, because when you hear me speak, you don't expect me to be so educated, air quotes, Mm -hmm. what you what you view as educated or uneducated. But then also, I think there's the part of me that is different than the good black in that one yes the way i speak in my natural slang or natural ebonics but then like also like i can give you guys an example one time in class i promise you i was taking down my braids i was taking down my braids in class you were in the middle of and acting in class in the middle of in acting class, class you were taking yes. out yes. your braids yes. we were helping oh her yes. we were helping her actually take it one of my white friends came over and started helping your homegirl out okay because <laughs> for me it was it's about time so like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I don't have time to take this out later, and we're not doing yeah. nothing in class right now, so I can be taking out my braids. But I can see, like, from the anti-black point of view, or even maybe the two black girls that are in class with me as well, like, they probably looking at like this is this girl is ghetto, like this girl, it's literally weave <laughs> coming out of my head, like you can see the fake hair coming out of my head into the bag on the ground, like that. You know, that's probably viewed as ghetto, right? Yeah. So that that separates me from the good. Black because the good black wouldn't do that like they wouldn't yeah, let me see true. what's their real hair and what's not their not oh no like no they're not fitting she's not fitting in this box of the good black she's fitting in the box of the stereotype of what i think a black woman you're should showing be. our secrets why are you showing right. our secrets right you aren't supposed to let them know that we're not this put together mannequin yes, like, exactly what are you doing? exactly but then i also think there's a part of me that's very expressive which is very mm. opposite of the good black and yeah. to me that's coming from so i was born and raised my mom is really into zodiac signs and so i'm like oh that's my aries nature like i'm blunt <laughs> i'm confrontational and aries is like fire right Fire's but then i'm y'all. also fire. 
a so Pisces Sagittarius. Moon. So I hear you. I hear yes, you. Yes, Y'all yes, ready, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But then I'm a Pisces moon. And so that's where my expressivity, my emotions come in. And so that Aries is blunt and confrontational. And I'm going to communicate how I feel. No matter what. I don't care who you are. Mm. I'm going to tell you how I feel. So while I've tried to suppress the way I speak, I could never suppress that part of myself that mm. is blunt. That, like, if I sense something is off, I have to speak up. I have to. I could never suppress yeah. that part of myself. And because that part of myself radiates, it shines. It's so bold, so in your face. I feel yeah. like that can translate into this box of the ghetto black girl. And that is what distinguishes me from that of the good black who would just sit and be timid and quiet and not speak up if they see anything is wrong or they're being mistreated or whatever it is. And so that loudness, I'm also very loud, very loud, um, naturally <laughs> loud. My family all loud. together. Dear yeah, Lord. yeah. <laughs> we don't even realize we're yelling. Yeah, <laughs> my mama loud. It's really like my mama. That's my mama and my daddy. We just lie. We be yelling. We just a yelling family. That's really what it is. But to the <laughs> outside view, it's that ghetto, you know. Mm. And so that's like those are ways in which I feel like I can be put into that box. Um, and that I could would. differ from the good black. The yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't even think the good black like has nothing to say. I think she's just learned. You know, that in order to survive here, I'm going to shut the hell up. You know, yeah. I'm just not going to say anything about it because I'm trying to keep my job or I'm trying to keep right. the respectability politics on my side, whatever the case right. might be. Um, right. So, a, yeah, I get as that. As an ambassador, quote unquote, good black, quote unquote, whatever. Yeah, that's simply what it be. I, I just don't <laughs> yeah. want fuck up the peace. Yeah. I, I just it's don't. not that I you don't see the fuckery. Yeah, oh no, I fuckery. see the bullshit. I'm just trying yeah. not to go off because I first of all I ain't got the energy. I ain't got the time. Yeah. Unless you're gonna pay me for my feelings, you ain't hearing them shits. Oh like my no. God. Oh, child. <laughs> I'm also a Libra. So yeah, sure that's like, Libra. Damn Libra ass. Like, you don't even wanna oh. say nothing. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you know Listen, you saw gonna... that bullshit. I'm going to jump to the last question because, okay, this is a full episode, okay? Um, <laughs> it is a long one. It's a full one. Um, but I'm going to jump to the last one because I really do think that we've touched on so much uh, in between. Oh, so much. Um, mm -hmm. So I just want to know, we want to know, actually, if you could change the stereotypes to your advantage or what you wanted them to be, what, what would that be? What would that look like to you? what would you change them to? Um, yeah, so I don't know. This, this is difficult because I feel like with this question, I feel like we're fighting a system, right? Like yeah. in America, yeah. we're, we're, every day we're fighting systemic racism. What's like embedded, like in our foundation, like America's foundation, how we're viewed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like this is just a deeper rooted issue to the point where it's just like black people always feel as if we have to be 
because we are we're the subordinate to the white dominance right like they're 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 the supremacists in this country and so we feel that we have to be subservient to them so to make them feel more comfortable we have to like dial down our blackness or our culture like don't show it too much because you i want you to feel comfortable and you're the person that's giving me the jobs and i have to work twice as hard twice as hard to make sure you feel good because you're running this whole country right and so in a perfect world you know that wouldn't be a thing like we would just be accepted for who we are and we'll be able to exist on our frequency our black culture like and that in that realness and that authenticity because like even me like I I found myself like my mom we we went to Disney World like not too long ago we were talking to white people my mom was not code switching and I was like, what the <laughs> frick is going on? Like, I'm like, she's not co-switching. They're going to look at her. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. But then I had to check myself like, no, one, that's me projecting my insecurities onto my yeah. mom. Yeah. That's beautiful that my mom feels secure within herself to be her genuine, authentic self, no matter mm. who she's talking to. White people don't feel the Period. need to be subservient to us, so we should not hey. feel the need to be subservient to them. We Period. should just both coexist in this world world together in the way that makes us feel the most comfortable you know what I'm saying so like to me that's that's the way in which that would manifest for me like if I could change the stereotypes just allow people allow there to be a world where people can be themselves without fear of judgment fear of losing their jobs I don't know if you guys saw Insecure but one of the girls in there was like anyways she was speaking in like Abonics at work and they fired her she was in a predominantly oh, yes. white office. I remember office. this. This yes, is like season yes. two, season three. Yeah. Molly's job. And yeah, Molly told her, Molly like, girl, turn that down. You know, you just got to switch it up a little bit. And she's like, no, I'm going to be my authentic self. In a world Bro, where- Molly is trash because she straight up just let them do that. Like, yeah, she, she did. I was so pissed when but I was like, you not going to say nothing. She did. You not going to say nothing. But, 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 but for me- But, but hold on. Hold on. Like, I, I understand where Molly's coming. Guys, hey, let's be real. This is the world, okay? This is yeah. the world. Putting your I neck out that. for another black girl is all great for camaraderie and it's great for the brotherhood. But at the end of the day, I've got bills to pay. And I'm here yeah, trying to get a check. She might have lost check. her job. Yeah. Okay, exactly. but I'm also, I'm going to be Do I agree? and say, you're not going to create a better world if you don't activate that world. Like, I it's tr- just not going to happen. I so agree. I, I do it. think, I do think that in a way, Molly not saying anything is her being silent the in system. the face of it. It's complicity in a way. Of course. Period. But of course I also think that Tuli has a point in that she does have to pay her bills. Like, from Molly's POV, she's like, I tried to talk to her behind the scenes. I tried. Exactly. Exactly. That's she was that's like, well, I did. What I did for my sis is I pulled her to the side and I yes. said, my girl, my sister, yes. this is not going mm-hmm. to work here. This is not. In this workplace, not. this it's is not going to work. You know? Mm-hmm. So what you're going to have to do. corporate America. Exactly. Exactly. Because so Molly, Molly would have been fighting a system by herself. You know? That's true. Exactly. Well, like, I, I probably would have done. I probably would have done with it like Molly. I'm not even going to lie. I probably would have dealt with it like Molly. I probably would have pulled her to the side. 
and just mm-hmm. explain to her the rules of the game mm. and hope yep. and True. pray that she took my advice. And if she didn't, sister, that's on you. Sis. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that's okay. There should be a space in the war for both people. The person who would speak up to the system True. about it and the person yeah. who would pull their sister yeah. aside. Because both True. have well intentions. You know what I'm saying? Like, True. everybody doesn't have there. the same fight. You know? Everybody's yeah. fight is different. Yeah. But I think for me, the perfect world would be where that black girl who was so authentic within herself, so free, so limitless, so comfortable in her ghetto-ness or whatever that is, would never get fired. True. She could work there and the people in that office would accept her. That's the perfect, perfect yeah. world for me. Yeah. That would be the clients she world. would have is real. Yeah. Like she could also yeah. have clients who also identify with her that's what i don't understand about the limited thinking it's like but you're shutting out people that that person could help if you're supplying exactly. the service yeah. she, she obviously got the job because she was qualified qualified, qualified. Yes. but yeah. you guys fired her because of the way she spoke that's a problem yeah. Yeah. that's way too much for me it's for me the much. perfect world in that context would have been Molly burning the tables shouting on the rooftops about how this is <laughs> so wrong and it is systemic racism and then nobody Basically. lost their job and everybody learned their lesson and then there was a transformation in the business and Molly ran the company <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but that wouldn't that, have been real like we all know that would have been far true. from the reality that we're at just but that's what so I'm saying that's where I was like that, I can't do that that would be I my can't perfect get with that Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be my perfect world. I feel That's that. what I'm saying. My, my perfect world is, I agree with Char, like everyone's happy. Everyone yeah. gets to be them. Just yeah. be No, them. we and cannot all be happy, guys. We cannot all be happy. <laughs> totally. No. I'm sorry. Look, I'm, I'm not sorry. trying to sing Kumbaya, but I am like, no. look, if you want to be Yo. racist, go over there. Sorry. No, like we cannot, there. we cannot, we cannot like want to be all happy and kumbaya with people who came into our homes, stole our furniture and moved in. And now we're like, okay, let's share the furniture. No, this okay. is my house. What do you mean? I, I agree. But here is also me playing devil's advocate. When it comes to things specifically with race and things of that nature, I always, I'm always a devil's advocate person. Dear Lord. Okay. So <laughs> yes, they should not have done it. They should not, especially in South Dear Lord, specifically in South Africa, what the f were y'all thinking, bringing your asses over there and staying? I don't understand. And they're not leaving. They're, they're right here. People. They ain't going. They're not nowhere. leaving. They're white here. people still in <laughs> South Africa does not make sense to me. Now, last <laughs> week we had um, someone whose father came to Germany when he was like in his twenties. Cool, that I respect. But the people who straight up was like, "I'm gonna come over here, colonize y'all, and just stay here." Even though apartheid is over and y'all still ain't learning y'all less, I don't understand that. Y'all got and straight then, up on top of that, okay? we're not going to learn your languages. We're not going to consider you as people. We're still going to steal all. your land and make you work on the land that we stole. So I let's not even go there. So kumbaya, kumbaya is for another kumbaya day. Kumbaya, my ass. But what I was going to us. say also is like, here in America, we came over here with the... Well, I didn't come over here, but... <laughs> Some of my ancestors, a limited amount, came over here with the hopes of a better life because they all white people was putting them in oppressed situations and putting them in bondage. Mm. Now, what your ass didn't have to do was bring your ass over here and start killing people and mm. raping and yeah. pillaging them. That's what I don't understand. Mm. That's where I cannot necessarily get jiggy with it. I can be like, well, hurt just creates more hurt. Cool. And I understand that trauma is still a very weird thing that we're learning now that we're dealing with. 
But what you're not finna do is put the whole victimization thing and be like, well, they did this to us so I can do this to you. No, they did that to you. So grow the fuck up and stop doing that shit to other people. And that's what we are essentially seeing now is you created a whole system, social, political, financial, all of that, economic, all of that, based off of the fact that you got your feelings hurt back in the 15, 1600s <laughs> and you ain't stopped hurting people since then because you don't know how to deal with your own trauma. Like literally, you, you it's because you don't know how to deal with your own trauma and your own people's trauma that I'm not living here in America in the first place. Cause I shouldn't even be here technically, technically Girl. none of us should be here, but that's a whole Girl. nother day. Whole nother story. Yeah. For a whole nother day. We, we could go on forever <laughs> and ever and ever. We could rant forever, huh? <laughs> really? Forever. But honestly, we are chasing an hour and this is where we draw the line. Okay. <laughs> We yeah. we are gonna draw the line <laughs> right here, and this is where we're gonna pack it for guys. this week. Good combo, girls. Good combo. <laughs> this was amazing, Shah. Thank you so much for making the time and uh, jumping on the podcast this week. We so appreciate you, and I so enjoyed your perspective. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for Thanks, having bro. me. Thank you so much. Great Thanks, rambles. guys, for Great listening. Rambles. If you if you made it this far, almost an hour, you must really love us. Drop us a comment. <laughs> Thank slide you. into our DMs. <laughs> Let us know what your favorite part of this conversation was. And if you want to have a part two and you want to continue ranting about this, we are always open to a good rant session. But yeah, guys, we hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you and hear you and talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.